This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. CES is underway in Las Vegas. The event has been showing off all kinds of cutting-edge technology from companies all around the globe. There are two devices that caught Mark Aflalo's attention. Mark is one of the hosts of Access Tech Live. Hey, good morning, Mark. Good morning, Dave. You say two devices. I must tell you, that list has probably grown to about 250. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but we don't have time for all 250, nor do I have the brain capacity to hold all that information in my head. Yeah, Mark, I'm uh, <laughs> keeping a close eye myself here. I want to start playing a game on the show next week when CES is done and dusted called Useful or Useless. So yeah. we'll uh, talk about some of the so we'll talk about some of the technology <laughs> that got shown off and whether or not uh, it lands in one of those two categories. And I'm not going to lie, this first. Uh, product you're bringing to the table, I'm thinking it might lend itself a little closer to uh, the use list side. Really? Uh, I, okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is where you're going to have to do a little bit of a sales pitch for me. One of the items was re- revealed was an AI device called the Rabbit R1. Some people are suggesting it could replace the smartphone. Why did this one jump out to you? Because I'm not going to lie, Mark, I read about four different articles about this yesterday, and I still don't quite get why I would want it. So, so the R1. Let me let me let me describe what it is. It looks it's about half the size of an iPhone. So it's shorter in stature. It's about the same width, about the same thickness. It has a screen on about two thirds of the left side of it. A little analog scroll wheel, kind of like old BlackBerry style, and a camera that is on a pivot. It's almost like on a gyroscope that it can go front and back. And the whole purpose of this Rabbit R1 is to um, reduce the friction between yourself and apps. You know you. Have have a phone, you want to call an Uber, you have to go to the Uber app and then go call it. You want to order Costco, you got to go to Instacart. You got to constantly get out of one app, go into another app to do things. The goal here of this device is to be a voice controlled with less visual components to it so that you don't have to worry about taking it out every time and just ask it in natural language what you want to do. So call me an Uber and it does all the heavy lifting. It does what it needs to do in terms of connecting to Uber, ordering that Uber and sending it to your location and getting rid of all that friction between the whole start and stop point. And and that is what they're trying to do. And it's very similar to that humane AI pin that was announced quite before the new year, um, except the package here is different and the price is a lot different too. Um, $199 for this device when it becomes available in March or April. So yeah, I mean, the pitch, I mean, the pitch is really, if you find yourself on your phone a lot and you find yourself struggling to constantly launch an app to do this or to do that, this helps remove that from the equation a little bit and just get to the point at the end of the day. I So uh, the way that you describe it, definitely it starts to bring me a little closer to the useful okay. side of things. But Mark, I, I I really just don't see myself carrying a second device, right? Like I've got yeah, a smartphone, it. it can do it. Uh, in a lot of cases, if it's an Apple or, or, or some of the so- more sophisticated Google operating systems, a lot of that voiceover technology will already mostly let you do what this rabbit's yeah. putting on offer. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And, you know, I think that this is... Um, 
maybe a bridge device, maybe a gap device for people who don't necessarily want to carry a phone or maybe the younger generation. It's it's somebody is trying to take these natural language models like the chat GPTs of the world and put it to some kind of good use. And I don't think we're quite at the point yet where anybody has really figured that out. Yeah. And, you know, I do the kind of comparison with Apple's, you know, Vision Vision Pro headset. You know, from your perspective, from the blind low vision, you know, it's a headset. Just put in put in AirPods. Give me the same experience with AirPods. Why do I need this heavy $3,500 thing on my head, you know? So I, I totally get where you're coming yeah. from. But, you know, it's another cool piece of tech that I think came out of CES that's different. There's a lot of the same, a lot of recycling yeah, of kind yeah. of stuff. And this stood out to me as being different. You know what I think about too, Mark? I think about technology sometimes as a stepping stone, where maybe the end goal of what they're trying here with this artificial intelligence becomes something that's a little closer or more akin to artificial intuition, right? That, that, that there is yeah. going to be an experience down the road where oftentimes I'm telling myself, gosh, it would be so easy if I, if I could just have the computer know what I'm thinking and it would just do it. Yeah, or, or if it could just, you know, again, it, it, you, we all want Jarvis. We all want Jarvis from Marvel Comics, right? We want to just have a computer that's listening to us all the time, and when we ask for something, it just does it and skips all the steps that need to get from A to Z. They will, you know, If we want to say, you know, write an email to Dave saying, I want to be there tomorrow. Why should there be any other steps than it knowing to open an email program, write the email, hit send? Like, I, why why should I have to go through those steps in, in, in the proper order to do it? And I think mm. we'll get there. We'll get there. It's coming. Now, Mark, the other device that caught your eye to me is an interesting one, and it does land closer to the useful side of things. The notion of a health tracking ring is not brand new, but they're certainly evolving. And that's where a Movano's Eevee ring has maybe got a bit of buzz this week, a smart ring designed for women. What particularly are they touting as the benefits of this particular uh, AI-powered uh, ring tracker? Okay, well, so to start, obviously, you've got the basics. You've got measuring health and wellness, things like your heart rate, your blood oxygen level, your sleep stages, your activity, and your menstrual cycles. That is the key that makes it, obviously, driven towards the female audience, which is what other smart rings don't actually have in them. It's something that Apple has been, you know, slowly bringing to the Apple Watch, but it's taken some time to get there. So they're marketing this right out of the gate towards women, both not only in function, but also in style. It's a much more stylish ring. It comes in different finishes is, you know, a nice shiny either gold or silver, depending on the color, rose gold if you want, um, which is pretty cool. And it uses the an app to obviously analyze the results and tie in to your existing health data and let you share that with different people. But of course, the app is what powers everything and what takes that data and gives you insights into your health. And it gives it from that more female perspective. So it uses things like your menstrual cycle, et cetera, et cetera, to help obviously a woman more, you know, engage with their body. Okay. And, and, and that's why I think it's kind of unique because it's not something that's just broadly sold, that they really are targeting at a specific niche, and I think they're doing it properly. Yeah, my friend uh, my friend Dan got one of these a couple of years ago. It's, it's been almost four or five years since he first showed one of these uh, smart tracking rings, and he loves it. His partner got it for him, and he finds yeah. compared to a smartwatch, it's so much less obtrusive, and it is a little bit stylish. Like, he, he loves his, his <laughs> ring tracker. He really does. 
Well, so I've I've worn the Ura ring, which is probably the one he got, which is um you know it's been out for about four or five years, and it's funny because I don't wear jewelry, like I don't wear a wedding ring, um I don't wear necklaces or anything, but when my wife got it for me, hoping that I wear it as a wedding ring because it was cool and I had some tech in it, <laughs> and I do wear it. I actually do wear it a lot. I'm not wearing it now, but I wear it to sleep to just kind of track my health. And it's it, it, we've become obsessive now over small things that we never would have even thought about, like your body and your health, and because we have these devices that have these multi-functions like a ring or like a watch that can also, by the way, give you all this insight into your health. I think we've become a little bit obsessed with it. And that's why I choose not to wear the expensive watches that I've collected over the years <laughs> and wear the Apple watch or the ring that, you know, is made out of plastic and then watches my health. It's, it's so weird. Mark, one note on the way out the door here. Uh, you and Steven Scott and the whole gang from Access Tech Live have been doing some really neat stuff around your CES coverage. You had a special live broadcast yesterday at noon. You have another one coming down the pipeline today at noon. I, I mean, I'll, I'll just say it outright. The way that you've set up a camera down there and you're just rotating in all kinds of guests throughout the program is amazing, creative, so well done by you and your production team. Just a fantastic approach to covering CES. It's amazing what you can do when you hire a couple of hamsters in Vegas. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. No, I really, I do appreciate that. We, uh, you know, we put a lot of effort into it and we're just trying to give people as much insight into it, especially uh, on the accessibility and the disability side of things, of the things that come out of CES because there's never enough, enough focus on it. So uh, hopefully we're doing a good job and we're going to continue that today with some really, really cool guests lined up, including one that just won an award last night in the pitch competition from the CTA Foundation. So oh, all that coming up today. Fantastic. Yeah, the interview you guys did yesterday about some of the uh, technology geared towards uh, the deaf and hard of hearing community yesterday was fantastic. Fantastic. So cool. We did some stuff off air that we're going to be bringing over the next coming weeks that I think are uh, equally as good, if not even better. A conversation with a company called Teach Access and Verizon. We, we, had, we ended up talking for about 30 minutes because we could. So wow, wow. Uh, lots of really cool stuff. CES is the show that keeps on giving. We'll be talking about stuff from CES for the next couple of months. Oh, lovely. Hey, Mark, have a great show today. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Dave. That's Mark Aflalo. He's one of the co-hosts of Access Tech Live. You can find that show Thursdays, noon Eastern on AMI-tv. And don't forget to check out the special episode they did yesterday as well. Really, really good stuff. You also want to put this on your calendar. This weekend on The Pulse on AMI-audio, the show dives into the world of fruitarianism. Fruitarianism. Andrika Delanerold told me to practice that this morning, and even that didn't help me. Fruitarianism. Host Joy Gupta chats with Jacqueline Alness about her book, the Fruit Cure, the story of extreme wellness turned sour. Oh my gosh, I love it. That's The Pulse weekdays at two, weekends at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio, weekends at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. Coming up next, American fiction has been garnering some buzz during awards season. Michael McNeely will have a review of the flick. But first, here is the Parasport update with Greg Westlake. Hello and welcome back to the Parasport Update, produced in collaboration with the Canadian Paralympic Committee. I'm Greg Westlake. Rounding out 2023, a historical milestone took place for Canada's top blind hockey players, as the first ever blind hockey game was played on NHL ice. As part of the 2023 Eastern Regional Blind Hockey Tournament, 27 players took to the Canadian Tire Centre in Ottawa for the first of a three-game series. Over the three games, the Nationals bested the Capitals, winning the Eastern Regional Blind Hockey Tournament. 
staying in Ontario and hitting the ice to welcome in 2024, Canada's women's para hockey team held their selection camp in Thorold, Ontario. 26 women received the invitation to the five-day camp, featuring a series of practices and scrimmages for the squad looking to represent the Maple Leaf. The camp featured 18 returnees from the silver medal team at the 2023 World Challenge and three members who represented the bronze medal winning team at Worlds in Green Bay, Wisconsin this past summer. Heading to the land down under, Australia plays host to the first round of the 2024 UCI Paracycling Road World Cup next week. From the 15th to the 17th, Canada's top paracyclists, including friend of the show and world champ Nathan Clement, will be racing for gold in Adelaide. And that's our time for this edition of the Parasport Update, presented by AMI-audio. Check back next week for more news from the world of adaptive sports. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.